transmission incoming. Welcome to the Potable Picture Show. Let's do it. Episode 0089, Never Stop, Stop Hitting Record. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, and I'm here to tell you this podcast may contain mature language. So welcome to the podcast. It's a little bit of a delay getting episode 89 out because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We actually had an alternate episode 89, that you'll get a little bit of a sniff at later. So over the years of the picture show, we've had a a couple times that we've had technical difficulties um, and physical difficulties. So episode four, when I got too drunk to talk and and don't remember ending the podcast, um, the bonus padded room episode that we did at Comic-Con where I only recorded half of their presentation, and then this past episode 89, the, the whole day was filled with technical difficulties. We don't normally um, stop during recording. We try to record all the way through with minimal editing to give it a realistic flow and just to make it easier on the editing process so we can get this out. But on that particular episode, we already had to stop a couple times. People... Um, were having mistakes and somehow along the lines while we were playing a game a singing game uh, when beer maker Matt was singing I got confused and I thought I was hitting stop on the iPad and I hit stop on the recorder and then what happened is when we start to record again we actually did record recorded a whole hour and a half I just had everyone's microphones turned off I'm not sure exactly how that happened but then there was a delay repeating this episode because I wasn't sure if I wanted to pull in everyone again and it's hard to get that freshness to talk about topics. We did have a new person that came in fairly well prepared. So I'm going to do a modified version of that podcast with just me and Heathen and later on you'll hear what we actually did record. There's only about 13 minutes worth. Because of that we will not have a cocktail corner this week and um And that's about it. So let's head into the cantina and get episode 89, part 2, version 2, started. So here I am in the warm confines of the VIP booth at the top of the cantina. It is warm and sultry. There is crickets cricketing. There is dogs panting. There is heathen heaving. <laughs> I was going to say. Hey, you've not been introduced yet. Sitting to the right of me, she is the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. 
And her name is Heathen. Thank you for that intro. It's fantastic to be here. We will bypass um, this day in history and um, need for time for cutting segments. And we will go straight to a news. I'm only going to do two news items today because in the segment you hear, you will hear last week's news that Heathen covered. So we don't want to news you out too much. So let's hear some modern news as opposed to some historical news. By the way, anytime you hear the sound... Uh, that's, that's fine to hit this baby. You know what to do. You know what to do, Heathen. I don't know what to do. I don't know why you have to be asked every time. Kevin's Headline. So the first thing I want to cover, it's, um, I, I suppose it's news, movie-related news. Have you heard the new theme for the Ghostbusters movie, Heathen? No. I think it officially got released today, I believe, although it may have leaked earlier. Here are some, just, these are just a few. This is what I pulled off the first page of Google when I Googled, I Googled Ghostbusters new theme. Um, Los Angeles Times says, exactly how bad is Fall Out Boy's new Ghostbusters theme song? That's their title, mm-hmm. the headline. The New York Daily News. Fall Out Boy and Missy Elliott's Ghostbusters theme song, So Bad It's Scary. Cinema Blend. The Ghostbusters theme song by Fall Out Boy barely qualifies as music. Um, Gizmodo. Fall Out Boy's new Ghostbusters theme song, unlike Bustin, does not make us feel good. Well, is it kind of like... The the Muse. I only have a few more. The Muse. The only problematic thing about the new Ghostbusters is its awful new theme song. Two more. Dig. Fall Out Boy releases unfortunate remake of Ghostbusters theme song and Vulture, the joylessness of the new Ghostbusters theme. So what were you going to say, Ethan? I wonder if it's as bad as the... um, What was the one we watched last night? Did they have a theme song? Yeah, it's the theme song for the... the, um, What's that movie with... All the new characters, um, the oh, new Harley Quinn. Oh, you're talking about Suicide Squad yeah. and the um, and the 21 Pilots song. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll let you judge. Here's just a little bit of a of a snippet of the original um, Ray Parker Jr. song, just so we can get a feeling. Skip ahead a little bit. So that was the original. We didn't get to the I'm not afraid of no ghost part, which is, I think, the, the catch that most people remembers from uh, from that theme song. I, I do have one idea or feeling that's been brought up so this ghostbusters theme song uh, or ray parker jr was actually sued by huey lewis saying it was too similar to i want a new drug Mm -hmm. and they settled out of court so the idea is is the new song most likely had to diverge from the old song at least to not get entangled in legal battles again but here's a taste of the new song 
um, Fallout Boy featuring Missy Elliott. There is a lot of this. I don't think it's that bad. I was thinking... I think part of the issue is it's really like three minutes of that eh, 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 and we're not gonna listen to all of it but there's just a lot of I'm not afraid I'm not afraid I'm not afraid and it's not like the first song was pretty cheesy but that's what it's supposed to be yeah and this song is just I, I'm glad that you said that um, that uh, they were sued by Huey Lewis in the news because my question was gonna be why didn't they just kind of update the original song which is what i was hoping they were going to do and i either didn't remember or didn't realize that um, i probably did hear it before but i had forgotten that huey lewis had sued about that um but you know no one's ever going to be happy if it's too similar to the original people are going to be like well why don't you just do the original then like that's nothing and if it's too different to say too is why didn't they would they get sued by using the original because it's already been settled. Well, they they did want to update it, and and you know, and you know, Ray Parker Jr. Then and now, I mean, his only claim to fame really is Ghostbusters. Like people didn't really know who he was when he did that song. Nowadays, because what did Ghostbusters come out what like eighty four, eighty six? Um, I don't think nowadays people will do that as much. They have to go out and get Fallout Boy. They have to get. I, I, big... I think they should have chosen somebody else. Yeah. I they mean... should have chosen a, not a band, but a, one person like and, mixed, Jr. and mixed the music behind him. I, I actually thought, because I don't hate Fall Out Boy like a lot of people do. I enjoy their music mostly. It's hooky pop music and some of it's more, uh, I think some of it's more complex than people realize. But it is generally like when people list bands they hate. That band is usually <laughs> up there. Um, I thought that they could do a good update to this, especially with the new tone and style of the movie. From what I'm getting from the previews, Fallout Boy seemed to make sense a little bit. Maybe they should have got the girl version of Ray Parker Jr. Probably. Like Maya Rudolph. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to go down in history like the original Ghostbusters song. So that's part one of my news. And I don't I don't think it's going to be the kind of song that grows on me, like um, Writings on the Wall from Sam Smith from James Bond. I didn't like it the first time I heard it, but it started to grow on me a little bit. Same thing with Adele's Skyfall. I didn't really like it that much, but then I think it's one of the better James Bond themes. Um, My second story... More of a mystery that's interesting. It's not really that newsworthy, but I, I thought it was interesting because it, it reminded me of that movie we were watching, Empire State, about the trucks and the money. Mm-hmm. 
So a mystery is brewing in, Atlanta, in, in, in Atlanta where someone stole a bunch of beer, nearly an ocean of beer. A brewery in the city says nearly 3,300 cases of beer went missing when two of its refrigerated trailers were stolen. This brewery is called Sweetwater Brewing Company. They said the trailers had been loaded for a morning pickup when they were taken from the plant north of downtown in the pre-dawn darkness of a Tuesday. For a small uh, quote from Steve uh, Ferris, who handles the marketing for the 140-employee company, he says, For a small company like us to lose that much beer, it really hurts. Uh, the two trailers uh, carried 3,272 cases together, or, if you do the math, more than 78,500 bottles. Uh, they were carrying Sweetwater Summer Variety Pack. Both trailers were later found in the Atlanta area by using GPS, but both were already empty by the time they were found. By Tuesday afternoon, one-fourth of the stolen beer had been found in a warehouse just south of Atlanta. Uh, Ferris was at the warehouse as police looked over the recovered beer and they tried to find out clues for who had stolen it. Though some of the beer was found, Ferris said that we could no longer trust that the beer would be of the quality standards that we as a brewery maintain, so unfortunately we had to destroy it all. The warehouse where the beer was found isn't far from some of the locations. Oh, they're, now they're, they're tying this into the Smoking the Bandit film where they stole a Coors, Coors uh, light or a Coors truck. Um, but the company doesn't think it's very funny. Um, they said as part of the variety packs, they contained the beer, the Goan Coastal, a pineapple-flavored IPA, which is an extremely short supply. Um, he actually says that that was their entire supply that was stolen, basically. Well. Um, the company is asking retailers to contact them if someone other than the company attempts to sell the beer, which has an expiration date of September 20th or 21st. So if you're in Atlanta and you come across the variety pack with September 20th or 21st beer, then get a hold of Sweetwater Brewery and, and give them a blues clue. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think... Um, I think that that's not a bad idea to go steal some some cases. I bet that's a lot of beer. I don't think that's such a good idea. I suppose only not. because of what he said. Like this was this was our whole. This was everything, and yeah, and it's not like and now that we found some of it, we can't even use it because we don't know if it's been tainted or if it was refrigerated. You know, I totally... Yeah, and it's a small company. Like I said, mm -hmm. 140 employees. It's not like it's Budweiser or Coors or someone that could that could shake this off. So, for the next segment, we're going to call it Alternative History Time Machine. We're going to go back into our alternative history. Imagine if you not only had a time machine that could take you around time, back in time, and in front of time, but it could also take you to alternative histories. Histories such as where Hitler won World War II. Histories such as where heathen is a very easygoing person. Histories where I do not have to wear pants. So let's head to one of those histories now. Heathen, can you help me with some going back in time history music? Sure. All right. So here we are at the VIP booth at the top of the cantina. I will introduce the panel today in a clockwise fashion. 
We had been looking for him for at least the last three episodes. We had put an alert out. Not an amber alert, but maybe a... Uh, I don't know what color alert you would put out for Beer Maker Matt. It was, it was beyond amber. We, we had heard that he was in Mexico. We had heard that he may have been playing softball somewhere around. But we found him. To my left is Beer Maker Matt. Why, hello. Uh, Matt, we had a debate on the podcast while you were gone. How to say Matt in Spanish? Mateo. Okay, that's what I said. Close. <laughs> I thought that was like Italian or something. What was the other option? I, I don't know. Heather said Matt and I said Mateo. I was trying to figure out how to say beer maker Matt in Spanish, so I don't really know Spanish. So I said like... Mateo and Cerveza? Oh. I have no idea how to say maker in yeah, Spanish. Yeah, I don't know. I just know made as, made as honcho or something like that. <laughs> so we have beer maker Matt going further up the dial, new to the cantina... He is from the Padded Room podcast. We've uh, had a couple things from the Padded Room interspersed in our segments, but not for a while. His name is Buddy. Hello, hello. Hey, uh, Buddy, tell us a little bit about your uh, the Padded Room and, and what you do over there. Well, I am one of the uh, co-hosts with Padded Room podcast, and it's a horror movie uh, vibe to it. Uh, we discuss some horror movies, horror news. Uh, we do a walkthrough of a feature film, and, and it's a silly show, too. So I have a question. This might be a tough one since it's off the top of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. If you could do a genre smash, a genre switch of any film and turn it into a horror movie. For, so, for example, if you could take, uh, if you turn Pretty Woman into a horror movie where Richard Gere just went around killing hookers, can you think of a, a mainstream movie that you would like to see horror smashed? UHF. Okay, that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> it's already pretty... Uh, out there already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. And then joining us once again, it's not her birthday today, so she's in a bad mood. She is the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. Her birthday is almost within a month away. I think it's so close you can almost touch it. It's it's like birthday blue balls. Her name is Heathen. <laughs> Hello. All right, Heathen. That's all you got to say. That's all I have to say, say, but my birthday will start July 1st and end the end of July. Mm. <laughs> all right, Heathen. Now that we've got everyone back together, it's been it's been a couple weeks since we've seen Heathen. It's been about two months since we saw Beer Maker Matt, and we've never seen Buddy before. So it's like a bunch of strangers trapped in an elevator. <laughs> and before we head into film history, I need to remind everyone at home that anytime you hear a sound about hitting a baby, drink along with us in your car, in your airplane, mowing the lawn, um, sitting on the patio, swinging outside with the neighbors. Could be beer, could be wine, could be milk. It could be leftover spit. Uh, that's that's fine to <laughs> hit Ethan, hit your baby. baby. Jesus Christ. I don't think I want that. <sighs> want to switch? Mine's pretty gross. I'm drinking uh. Dos Equis... Azul. Blue. Okay, so let's get uh, Heathen's history lesson. Did you even drink yet? I did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In film history. On this day... June 18, 1942, Roger Ebert, who will become famous as the ma- the movie critic who used his thumbs to pass judgment on Hollywood's latest offering, is born in Arbonne, Illinois. 
1975, Ebert became the first film critic to win a, the Pulitzer Prize. The same year, he teamed up with Gene Siskel and began the show that would later become Siskel and Ebert. And in 2006, this is kind of a downer, um, Ebert went underwent surgery to remove cancer in his jaw. So he remains pretty active in the movie scene, but uh, doesn't really come on screen anymore. Did you guys watch that or see that documentary on Netflix? Uh, this was called This Life or In This Life or something? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. It's really good, although it's a little hard to watch because it's while he's still alive and it's yeah. after the surgery. And you, For me, it was a little hard to watch because it almost looks like bad CGI because his jaw is not connected. Like you yeah. can put your hand through his mouth. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I'm just sort of squeamish with stuff like that when it's real life. But he, he was one of my favorite critics growing up. I always watch um, Siskel and Ebert at the movies. I like that they differed in opinions. I like that they would just have to agree to disagree sometimes. Um, I think that kind of... If they both agreed on everything all the time, I don't think would have made good television or been interesting. Um, I generally agreed with Ebert's reviews, although not all of them. I tended to disagree with Siskel a little bit more. Um, and this is, to me, back when um, critics meant something, because this was before everyone with a blog could be a so-called film reviewer. Like me. I've, I've done it. My critic, my reviews don't mean shit. But Ebert was good. Yeah. Did, you, did you guys follow any reviewers or didn't care? No. Mostly them when I was younger. No. Yeah, I remember seeing them like on TV and watching, or having my parents you know, watch them. But uh, Two guys in a theater. Yeah. Or whatever it was called. I mean, I learned pretty quickly that I really didn't care what critics thought. So, I found for me, yeah, I had a, a few critics that I would read back when there wasn't as many. And like one, I, I think it was in the San Francisco Chronicle, maybe. But there was one I always disagreed with. But I, I read them because I knew what they liked and didn't like. So just by reading what they didn't like would give me an idea. So for me, it doesn't mean that I need to agree with them or not, but just if you read like a specific critic a lot, you, you kind of get a feeling for their tastes. Yeah. Um, like I, I didn't really like the Rolling Stones reviewer that much. The, the Sacramento News and Review, the local paper, their, their reviewers always change because they basically aren't paid anything, but I always thought they sucked also. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for that lesson in film history. I think you deserve to hit a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't want to try that one? Oh, I guess I should have this one since it was in Espanol. These are both Spanish beers. I know, but this one's titled Azul. Azul? This one's titled Sorvesa. Yeah. Well. All right, Heathen, you ready to give us some news? <laughs> That's the new breaking news alert. <laughs> this just <Heathen>. in. <laughs> Lady Gaga is in negotiations with Warner Brothers to play Bradley Cooper's female co-star in A Star is Born. This will be the fourth remake of the movie and Bradley Cooper's uh, directorial debut. The release date is late 2017. But he's also going to be in it, right? Yeah. Can he sing? Um, That's a good question. I'm pretty sure he can because he can do everything. I, I don't... Uh, He's my husband, by the way. <laughs> I don't think this movie needs to be redone. I'm okay with Lady Gaga doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about Bradley Cooper singing or directing. It should be interesting. You say that every time. Well, what has he directed? <laughs> this is his. And what first... is he saying? You say that every time. I say that every time he sings. No, I mean you just have something negative to say about no, Bradley don't. Cooper. Every I said time. he was good in American Sniper. The rest of the movie wasn't that great. <laughs> well, he was going to make out with Lady Gaga, lick her meat dress. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I'm tear it out. You want to be a star? I'll make you a star. Lick my meat. Do you know? <laughs> Lick my meat flap. <laughs> See, that would be that, oh, gross. <laughs> that would be an easy uh, porn parody. A uh, porn star is born. <laughs> See, we need to bring that back. That was one of my favorite things to Starring do. Starring Bradley's pooper. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Universal Pictures announces a Christmas 2019 release for Wicked. Oh yeah, they're developing. What year? 2019. Okay. They're developing a film musical adaptation of the Broadway stage production that premiered October 2003. I'm excited to see this. So Wicked has been extremely popular Broadway play. And I'm tour. I've never seen it, but every everyone that's seen it has really liked it. Um, are you guys familiar with Wicked? No. It's, um, I believe it's told from the point of the view from the Wicked Witch from Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. And Past, it's, present, it's and a future. Uh, it's been really popular. The thing I don't understand is why it's taking so long to come out. Because I think this has been out. I, I could be wrong, but I but I believe this play has been around for at least a decade, if not longer. They yeah. were going to do some production, I guess, in like 2006, but they pushed it back because of um, the Oz Movies. release. Yeah. It'll be interesting who they get to cast in it. So the people that made the roles famous are obviously getting pretty old now, seeing as that was 2006. That's a decade later. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I feel about plays, musical plays. I like musicals. I don't know what I feel about a lot of the musical plays being turned into movies. I'm not that big of a snob, but so like Into the Woods, I didn't think was so bad. Yeah. But people that are like really into theater are like, oh, that was so terrible compared, like like uh, Wishing Wells. It's yeah. like, oh, that was so terrible compared to the real play. Why did they get Chris Pines to sing? Because <laughs> that's the problem when they do these musicals, like, like uh, Les Miserables, when they had um, Russell Crowe. Like you get people that can't sing because they're star power. Um, my other idea, a reason why it might be taking a while is because it is such a popular play. Maybe there's some agreement that they're trying to milk everything they can get out of the touring company before. Yeah, because it still is touring. Yeah. I mean, everyone's, like, if it came to Reno, it would sell out. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. a really popular. I'd check it out. Yeah. I like that little tiny girl that's sang in it. She's like a famous Broadway person. Oh, in the play? Yeah. Oh. I don't know what her name is. Not the one with the big nose, but the other little... <laughs> you know, the one that sung Let It Go? She's the one with the big nose. Oh. But then there's the other I can't remember one. Kristen, what her name Kristen is. Kristen Chanowick, something like Chanowitz. <laughs> you don't know. You're asking the about. wrong person. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the growing demand of New Yorkers who wish to spend a simple free Sunday morning, Boozy Sunday Brunches completed... New York State's lawmaker session earlier today. A bill is on its way to Governor Cuomo's um, that will allow bars and restaurants to serve alcohol beginning at 10 a.m. instead of noon. This is to extend 
uh, help to extend and help the businesses cater to the brunch crowd and fans for the sporting events like soccer. So this is what's what is this? Where and when Sunday? Where New York? Today in New York. Okay. So they're so, going to pass a law that extends. I got it. Okay. Okay. I was just asking where it went. So Sunday. So Sundays. Is it just Sundays that they have limited drinking? Just hours Sundays. Okay. And Glad we weren't there on a Sunday. Yeah. I wonder if their slogan's going to be "It's twelve o'clock somewhere," yeah. <laughs> or "It's ten o'clock somewhere." Um, outside of New York City, bars and restaurants will be able to um, apply for a special permit to open at eight a.m. for special events twelve times a year. Hmm. It's the city that never sleeps, but not the city that never stops drinking, apparently. They really didn't, because we were drinking at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Out. Yeah, but a lot of places were closing. We yeah. were having trouble. I can't remember, does New York have ABC stores, or is it legal to sell in most grocery stores? We didn't make it to any stores. I don't, so I don't think know. they have any liquor laws as far as that, but I think it's kind of like Arizona, where on Sundays you can't right. buy alcohol. Until Which a, certain time. a lot of states are um, getting um, pressure to um, get rid of that law because of financial reasons from you know mom and pop stores and stuff like that. Like we could be selling booze today and making money. We're in a recession. Let us sell drinks. Thanks, Eden. Yeah, that's fine to hit this baby. Okay, we were going to play a heathen written game but we had some technical difficulties so we are instead going to go straight into cocktail corner and possibly be playing a different game after cocktail corner so let's head on in i see america drinking the fabulous cocktails i make america's getting stinking on something i stir or shake All right. It is a version of the B-52 coffee, but I took what I liked about it and made my own. Okay. So we've got the... Uh, do you have a preference on coffee? Um, no. I use Folgers medium roast. Okay. So if someone's making it this at home, if they're making, say, just one, what, what are the pre- what's the preparation into going into... Well, uh, besides making the coffee, I, uh, I do a, a shot of Kahlua, a shot of... The brand, or excuse me, the uh, Caroline's Irish Cream, mm-hmm. and uh, half a shot of brandy. Now, if you like it a little stronger, go ahead and do a full shot of brandy. Okay. Yeah. Good. A good. A good um, brunchy type drink like today. So, how do you feel like a shot and a half of brandy? Because <laughs> a little too strong. That's how I like my brandy served. <laughs> Pretty much every cocktail we make in Cocktail Corner, um, Heather uh, takes out half the ingredients and says, "Can it just be?" vodka or can it just be brandy can we take the juice out <laughs> i know it's called a screwdriver but can we take the orange juice out and just do half a glass of, of vodka yeah this, right. is, this is my uh, every sunday ritual yeah oh nice yeah i know matt you were doing what were you drinking there for a while like every day uh just almond milk uh baileys and Kahlua. nice that was my nighttime treat. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a drinking ritual. I was trying to drink Anchor Steam while the Warriors were playing, but other than that, Heathen's got a drinking ritual. <laughs> but she doesn't like me to talk about it, which is another it's bed. It's called Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, 
I won't I won't go into any other details. I'll let her elaborate <laughs> if she feels like it. You want to pass around the drinks? Yeah. And they go round and round. We could have a we could have a uh, keep going around. To... People at home could drink every time someone gives a sour look. I won't say who. It could be me. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Anything that you want to drink to? Shall we drink to barbecue blues and brews? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, buddy did go see Gin Blossoms last night, and yes. we'll be going to uh, after the podcast today to be seeing Everclear and other things. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. It is very good. I don't think it needs more more brandy. I think it's about perfect. Um, we haven't had, I don't think we've had a warm drink on the uh, podcast as far as I recall. Once in a while I like to get a uh, an, um, an Irish coffee mm-hmm. now and again. Um, did you, when you met, when you were down in San Francisco recently, did you go to Buena Vista or wherever where they made the first Irish coffee? Where yeah. Uh, they do like 500 of them a day. Really? They just like do rows of them. I mean, there's not a whole lot, but it's huh. a good drink. I, I I'll order one. I I'll order one now and again, but you know, this is good. You mean Irish coffee? Is <laughs> some Irish? I don't think so. I'm thinking of the right thing, right? <laughs> With where they do the sugar cube over the coffee. I don't know what else is in it. I'm done. All right. Are you guys ready to play <laughs> play a game? <laughs> you ready to play a game, Heathen? <laughs> not really. Are you, are you going to sit this one out? No, I can do it. You were doing pretty well earlier when we were doing the practice. When, so uh, we, did a, we did a stop so the buddy could go down and get the coffee, and I was showing how, how my game worked, and um, he then did a demonstration. Yeah, and then when you make fun of somebody, it's not that fun anymore. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, so stop doing it. <laughs> All right, so I have a Spider-Man bucket full of um, suggestions it's um i i don't know exactly what's in the bucket i put a couple in myself but they are they are things you can do with your voice accents feelings emotions perhaps personalities i am going to have someone pick a uh a suggestion out of the bucket and they can read it then i am going to do a random karaoke song and they can choose to do that song or pass it on to someone else i won't let it go on too long 10 seconds max, but probably just a few seconds. Um, we'll do everyone twice, so you can pass You can pass once. All right, Heathen, would you like to go first? Oh, the anticipation. What is your word? It's <laughs> like a sentence. <laughs> a kid denied a Tigger toy. Yep. All right, and where would you like me to start? I don't even know what that is. A tigger. A kid denied a... St- I know what a tigger is, but I don't know what <laughs> a, a kid de- denying a tigger toy is. Tigger. Yeah, Matt knows. You want to pass it to Matt? Okay. <laughs> All right, what song would you like to do, Matt? Tell me when to stop. Uh, Stop. This is a commercial. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's not sing along. <laughs> I like my dick team. Uh, of course, that'd be a hair commercial. Oh. <laughs> I like my hairspray. All right. 
I don't know what song it is either. Oh yeah. Say the word. Sorry, yeah. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy was visit, he'd come along when they gathered round and started talking. So what did you think about that alternative history? It's pretty alternative. Did you like it? It was fantastic. It was actually, even though at the beginning of the show when I complained about technical difficulties and, and, and frustration... Um, overall, it was pretty fun, and the best parts did not get recorded. We had a really we had two games, so you heard the beginning of my. Oh no, we didn't hear any of Heathen's game. No, because you deleted it. Even though I thought we should have kept the. Well, it turns out we should part. have, mm-hmm. but um, all you heard was one little segment of Matt, and you didn't hear some of the best parts. You didn't hear um, the new person, buddy. He did a really good version of. Um, he had to do Ring of Fire. As a man that just stubbed his mm-hmm. stubbed his toe, was that it? Yeah, it was pretty good. He's actually, uh, I think, could uh, do some good, quite comical, some good stuff. Um, I did ask him to come back in a future episode for reels, and this real history, this real timeline, not the evil timeline. And uh, because for that for that episode, he had brought in a cocktail and he had brought in a rank. But for now. Let's just do a drink to that. I would like to drink to that we are going to the Placerville Brewfest. I think it's called Bell Tower Brewfest. Last year, I quit my job to go. And this year, I am avoiding a mandatory Saturday meeting slash training to go. Although I may show up for a couple hours because I really like overtime. All right, we're going to do a new segment this week that I, I don't have a sound for. We call it Opening This Week. So it's opening this week. So I'm going to talk about just the movies that are opening this week. <laughs> um, and, and Heathen, you tell me, um, maybe you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So first we have Independence Day Resurgence. This is a sequel to the popular Independence Day, with the first one starring Will Smith punching an alien. He is not in this movie or punching an alien. What do you think about Independence Day Resurgence, Heathen? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, I don't really care. I don't plan on seeing it. It's getting bad reviews. The first one was cheesy, but at least it had Will Smith. This one, it's got Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. It's not selling me. How about Swiss Army Man? Starring someone that's not <laughs> Spider-Man. Not a Hobbit? Yeah. <laughs> um... The previews are super creepy to me. They I don't understand it. I would like to see it only because I've seen the previews. But if I hadn't seen the previews so many times, I would not be interested. But I'm interested because I have to know why all this shit happens. So I, I think this movie is gonna, going to be interesting for this year. It won a, a lot of awards at Sundance. But also because it's already opened, I think, in small release. Uh, there's been reports of people walking out of the theater because it's too weird for them. They just don't get it. And I could see that. If people come, people in our movie group go and see movies that are not that strange and they say how bizarre, I can't imagine them seeing a movie like Swiss Army Man and going with it. 
Maybe we should have some kind of a themed meetup where we do something really weird and then go see the movie. Or go see the movie and do something really weird. I mean, I don't think the movie is going to be that weird. It's just going to be visually weird. To me, it's just going to be like Tom Hanks with Wilson. But instead of Wilson, he's going to have a dead body. He's just going to be... He's like, yeah, but he's not really dead. He he's, is really dead. He's just imagining all of this because he's stranded on an island. Oh. He just needs a buddy. I mean, I'm pretty... Why did you have to tell me that? Well, I don't know that, but I get that's what I get from the preview. I didn't get that. I thought I got that he was like some kind of an alien or some kind of a no, pretty, special creature. I'm pretty sure he's just an hallucination because there's even parts in the in the in the preview where Paul Dano has, Don't tell me I don't want to know. I'm it's still in the, going It's in the preview. Okay, but I there's, watched the previews and I got that he was an alien and okay. I would like to keep that in my head. This is only from the preview. I haven't read anything about the movie, but there's a part in the preview where Paul Dano is like tied a stick or something to Daniel Radcliffe so that they can cheers together so he can move Daniel Radcliffe. They show a lot of him like manipulating him. Yeah, I just thought it's because he couldn't move any of his part. Because he's dead. That's no. Why, that's why... <laughs> okay, don't ruin it for me because we haven't seen the movie. That's why when he first comes up to him and he's on the beach, he's farting because he's a corpse. Like, a lot of people laughed, like, oh, he farted. But I was like, he's dead. Fart, dead people fart. This movie was known as the Daniel Radcliffe farting corpse movie because people couldn't remember Swiss Army Man. Anyway, so you give that a thumbs up mm-hmm. to see? Okay. Free State of Jones, the movie about Matthew McConaughey creating his own land in the Civil War. I like Matthew McConaughey, so whatever he would do, I would totally support. Shall- He's a really good actor. Shallows about a woman stranded on a rock trying to avoid being eaten by a shark? Uh, not for me. And Neon Demons, I don't think you know anything about. This is also a movie that people are saying they really like it or they really hate it. As a matter of fact, all of these movies, I think, is going to be, well, maybe not Free State of Jones, but I think it's going to be a very divided weekend. So if we say, if we saw every movie with the movie group, some people would hate it and some people would love it, which would normally happen when we see the artier movies. But, like, for example, I'm pretty sure I would not like the Independence Day movie, but there'd probably be a lot of people in the movie group. Like, Beer Maker Matt was very excited to go see it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. We, Beer Maker Matt and I have different tastes. As you could hear on the Alternative History podcast um, episode, he says he does not care what critics say because they don't know what's good for him. I don't really care either because I really like the. I'm I I'm almost makes me more interested to see a movie when Rotten Tomatoes says we only got a forty eight percent. Well, that's true, and I have a friend that would say the same thing. Like critics don't know anything, but I, I have a feeling most people that say that are people that don't agree with critics. But it's sort of a bad thing. I mean, they generally have what would be quote considered bad taste in movies. Now, I'm not saying that you should listen to critics because. You should go watch what makes you laugh, entertains you. You should drink and eat. Like, I don't think a critic would say a McDonald's hamburger is very good, but if you like eating McDonald's hamburgers and it makes you happy, go eat it. It's your money. We were just talking about McDonald's and my foodie group about how we love the French fries, and I said everybody's got to have a Big Mac every once in a while. Yeah. Same like, thing with... Um, no need to be all snobby. Well, and the same thing with the Independence Day movie is some people that did like it said it's that kind of movie where you have to go in, turn off your brain, and just eat popcorn. Like, don't expect art... Don't expect it to make sense. What is it? Tune in, turn down, and drop out? Sure. I think that's what people did in the 60s, right? For college (laughs) or something. Well, he was a a radio DJ. Oh. 
So um, th- my only problem with people that uh, say they don't care what critics say is that they always sound so smug about it. And it's like, you're not smarter than critics, believe me. Oh, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying no, you it don't that sound, way. You I'm, don't sound smug. But Beer Maker Matt Because I don't know anything smug. about... Well, some people portray themselves as being really knowledgeable about movies. And turns out they're really not. And I have never said... I'm one of those people. In fact, I was saying I don't like uh, one of my coworkers was saying something about Christian Bale. Oh yeah, you thought I thought it was Michael Bay. Ah, uh, take a about. drink. Oh dang it! Take a drink. You said the word. I can't even find the sound now. Anyway, going on with your story. And so the whole time I was saying no, don't say that name, and then. Turns out I was corrected when I came home, and I went back to work and apologized for my stupidity. So. Yeah, Kristen Bale is very talented. Right. I was wondering why he was looking at me crazy, but. I mean, some people may not like him. There's been a smell in this movie since they said Michael Bay is producing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, who cares? There's a lot of people. I mean, the reason Michael B makes movies is his movies make money and people don't like it. So there's always going to be an audience for that. Transformers, the last one did not do very well here, but people in China loved it, which proves people in China are possibly dumber than people in America. <laughs> but there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't mean to. You know, whatever, not everyone's entitled to their opinion. Sometimes it is nice to have debates about art, but it's really hard for anyone to be an expert on art. I mean, you, one person's opinion, this this goes back to like the, uh, what they call the pop art movement, where people are putting um, toilet seats on the walls and Jackson Pollock and stuff, is if you put something on a wall and people look at it, there was, there was actually a recent thing, um, I don't remember what country it was in, but someone had accidentally left their cell phone against the wall in an art museum. And then people are coming around taking pictures of it because they thought it was an art piece. So that that gets a little bit to the snooty level. But my, my, my point is, is just because someone says something's good doesn't make it good. Just because someone says it's art. What is art? That's a whole off subject anyway. So that is our t- topic called Talking Art with Heathen. Let's head into feature presentation. Presentation. Okay, this week in feature presentation, we are talking about the Andy Samberg movie, Lonely Island movie, Pop Star Never Stops Never Stopping, with a runtime of 87 minutes, has a R rating for drug use, sexual content, some graphic nudity. It stars Andy Samberg, Jorma Tacone, Akiva Schaefer, of course those are the Lonely Island boys. We also have Sarah Silverman, Tim Meadows, Maya Rudolph, Joan Cusack, um... Those are the main people. Here's a brief synopsis in case you are not aware of what this movie is about based on the previews or based on not seeing it. Childhood friends Connor, played by Andy Samberg, Owen, played by Jorma Tacone, and Lawrence, played by Akiva Schaefer, 
found fame and fortune after forming the hip-hop group The Style Boys. Owen and Lawrence faded into the background when frontman Connor left the band to launch a successful solo career. Now, the egotistical singer decides to film a documentary about his life while he's still on top. When his second album flops, the camera is there to capture the world come crashing down. So a couple notes. Uh, first of all, if people are new to the episode or they need a reminder. Oh, yeah. Anytime you hear that sound, please drink along. But also I'm reminding you that this section here may and probably will contain some spoilers. So if you're interested in seeing Popstar or you don't want it spoiled for you, skip forward about, I would say, 15 to 20 minutes and avoid those spoilers. So I have a couple notes. He then jump in anytime, and then um, I just have a couple possible topics about the movie, and then we'll go into your rank. So this is the first collaboration between Andy Samberg and Judd Apatow. Judd, Ap- Judd Apatow produced this movie. You might know him from such movies as Knocked Up and I think Forgetting Sarah Marshall and um, possibly um, A 40-Year-Old Virgin. A lot of good comedies. Yeah, good comedies. He also, I believe, well, I don't want to say that in case I'm wrong. So pretty interesting. There is uh, several songs in this movie, as you may realize, being it's a Lonely Island uh, joint. Uh, songs such as Mona Lisa, um, Fuck You Like Bin Laden. I don't think that's the name of the song. Fuck Bin Laden. Yeah. Uh, which he did do on Saturday Night Live. You know what I missed, Heathen, and I would like to watch, is that um, Andy Samberg, as Connor for real, uh, was on an episode of The Voice, and he performed in character, and then he acted as a guest judge, judging some of the people on The Voice. He did this in May, I think. Missed it. We saw a lot of the episodes of The Voice, but I missed that one. Anyway, one of the songs he does in this movie is called Equal Rights, and it's a parody of Macklemore's Same Love, Macklemore, you might know him from that thrift shop song, but after that he got nothing but hatred from other comics, especially after he won the Grammy and um, Kendrick Lamar did not. People thought, what the fuck is wrong with this when you're giving an Emmy or Grammy to some white dude that barely can rap when Kendrick Lamar has supposedly the best rap album of like the last five years. But, you know, Grammys like the Oscars don't let people judge because they don't know shit. Mm -hmm. Going going back to... um, critics and judges so there's a part in the movie where they uh, as a gimmick they, they want to get um is this before his album isn't doing well or after i think this is before like just to, to release it right is when they place it in the appliances it hasn't he hasn't done anything hasn't gotten any bad reviews yet right no that's that's how they released it okay so that like, makes like sense because that's how you two did it so there's a part in the movie where um connor for real's album I'm trying to remember what the name of his album was. It was like Con- Consequences or something. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, they they make a deal with an appliance company, and they they have it where people at home, when they open the refrigerators or use their toasters or their washer and dryers or whatever, that will play his song. So this was a parody of U2 placing their album in people's iTunes accounts unawares just popping up in there one morning. A lot of people didn't even know that it was in there. And then you had to go out of your way to delete it. I actually didn't mind 
that they put it in there. I'm not a huge U2 fan, but I thought that that album was generally good, although I've honestly maybe listened to it three times just because I don't like U2 that much. I can just imagine when that dropped, how many people called their banks making sure that they weren't charged. Yeah, and like, if you can get into my iTunes, Sounds what else horrible. can you get into? True, and true. Um, none of that I bothered really me. Care. I didn't really care for that, only because I wanted to know how they did it. But I guess it doesn't really matter because they just they just offered the album to um, Apple and Apple downloaded it to everybody's account, which is fine because it's free, so I didn't care. Well, it was supposed to be a, a gimmick. It was supposed to go well. I don't think, obviously it didn't go well, but like Beyonce just did a surprise release of an album. I, I released it somewhat the normal way, but she didn't tell anyone. It was just all of a sudden released, and then it was like this huge deal that you she know, did it she that had way. That whole, she had the whole movie that I watched. Yeah, and that was what I was going to come with next. Is oh, she I'm did, sorry. you know, recently she did this. Lemonade. She, recently sorry. she did another event, and the and, and she hyped it up by saying, or HBO saying, this is only going to be on HBO for 24 hours, which it was. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. That was a way to make it like an event, a spectacle. Um, I'm trying to think of other releases. Just you two did just did not realize, especially for how political they are or, or Bono is. It, they should know better that this was going to cause some sort of stir with Americans. Um, as as conspiracy, not conspiracy, but as anti Big Brother as they are now. So, I, I to me at least in the last 20 years or so, 25 years, there's been a divide in American attitude. If you go back pre-9-11, a lot of Americans were very, I think, for big government and was just like, everything's great, America's great, everything, you know, it was like, everything's awesome, like the Lego song. And then after 9-11, it was like, stop spying on us, stop getting our cell phone records, um, we don't trust well, anyone. It's because the Patriot Act allowed the government to pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that like everyone before 9-11, they were still like conspiracists and they were still like big brother people. But generally, I think as a um, as a zeitgeist, as, as just a normal flow of the average person, they would say, yeah, I trust the government. And then after that, I think that number went way the other direction. I think maybe what would have been good is the night before they dropped it into everybody's iTunes, they did some kind of a, a grandioso thing like Beyonce did. Maybe not that big, but something, a commercial. Well, they, they were. They were doing um, Super Bowl ads. They played on the roof at uh, like the late show. They were doing like... Yeah, but they didn't say we're going to drop this shit in your yeah, iTunes. because it was supposed to be a surprise. Like, surprise. And then people are like, fuck. Yeah. Again, I'm weird. I'm one of the few weird people that I um, want small government, but I don't mind government intrusion. Again, that's a slippery slope, and the more control you give to someone, the more they'll take because absolute power corrupts absolutely, as they say. But I'd rather feel protected. What sucks is when the government is overreaching and they do all these things like TSA checks and everything, but it doesn't do any fucking good. No, it just makes everybody mm-hmm. late. If, if you want to have control, then do it right and do it efficiently. If, because, uh, you know, look at, look at somewhere like China or somewhere that has absolute control. They will make sure that it works if they want 
control. They'll, they'll find a way to make it work. So government, if you do want to have control, don't be a fucking fuck up about it. Like if you can do control, people will be like, Hey, I'm happy with things. I'm happy that I've got free candy. Look at a lot of the um, Northern European countries that are like very socialist, like Norway and, and Sweden. Most people there are pretty happy. Well, okay. On to the next one. Wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, there, there, I, is a, there is a huge suicide rate in those countries too because of the uh, eternal midnights that happen. I could keep going on it about it, but. Okay. There is a part in the movie. Uh, towards the end when uh, after the style boys have broken up they've broken up in in a way um, if you've ever seen um, it was a it was a good foreshadowing or maybe it was already happening do you remember the I think it was the don't speak video from no doubt are you familiar with the no doubt videos I'm familiar with the song well one of the videos I may be wrong on the song but the whole video is about how um, they are trying to isolate Gwen Stefani from the rest of the band. And is there's it spider a, webs then? I don't know. Is spider webs the one where they do that? Maybe. Because um, it's all about I'm just a girl in the world. That's 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 I'm just a girl. That's a different song. No. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting I'm wrong. I'm walking through the spider webs. Yeah, that's okay. spider webs. Sorry. So anyway, whatever video I'm talking about is uh, like them trying to take a picture of the band and then them like trying to isolate her away and then them being like on the cover of a magazine and everyone else is cropped out. So I'm sure this has happened lots of times, especially when you get into where each person has their own agent when they're like, um, Oh, you don't need the rest of these guys. You know, you need to go solo. Also just there's egos in bands. I mean, you look at like David Lee Roth and Van Halen, they were a huge band and David Lee Roth still needed to leave and be on his own because he needed all the attention for himself. So anyway, there's a part in the movie where there's an attempt to get them back together, the Style Boys, and they are trapped in a limousine. And Connor, for real, even though his album is flopping and he's not selling out arenas, he still has lots of fans. He still has thousands, hundreds of fans i mean more than that but there's you know around his house or whatever so they're in a limousine and they're surrounded by people and he's trying to uh talk to his buddies especially the one that disagrees with him yeah that's fine to hit this baby and there's a girl in the window of the limousine pressing her boobs up against the window and connor for real is saying this is what the life is all about then the girl is replaced, and I, I could feel this. Could you feel this part coming? I could tell it coming like a couple seconds before it was going to happen. I, I could guess anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought it might have been a butt, but it's not a butt. It's a wiener. It's a full-on wiener. And Connor for real doesn't know it's there, and he suddenly, you know, this is all it's about. I'm going to suck the glory out of what I can get or whatever, and then it's and then it's a dick. And that dick belonged to none other than producer Judd Apatow, which surprised me. I wonder why he chose his his own dick. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that um, he wanted his his penis preserved in mortality because he says that he feels that he has a a, a well proportioned and healthy looking penis. I agree. <laughs> and he, you know, and he's an older guy—not older, older, but older than me, probably in his forties. 
and he he wanted you know I think a lot of women when they're younger wanted to do that somewhat like they wanted like boudoir type pictures of them while they looked good so they could show people later like look what a fucking hottie I was mm-hmm. um, anyway I was a little bit surprised although you know I guess I shouldn't have been but yeah he had a, he had a decent looking hog and <laughs> a decent looking hog and, is that what boys call them and uh, and he let it get rolled up and down the window but I had no idea that was him pretty interesting so he then uh, there's a part later on where um the the girl because you never see the guy you only see him from like the chest down the the wiener area and the girl's shorter like like your height and she's like sign can you that's my husband can you sign his penis and connor for real signs his penis so two questions although you don't have a wiener would you go full frontal in a mainstream movie or at least would you show those parts and and second question is if you were semi-famous like let's say Cindy Lauper now famous, not Cindy Lauper then famous. Would you sign a man's wiener? Yeah, I would do both. Yeah, I um, it's weird. I've become less less adventurous as I've gotten. I guess that happens to most people. I know when I was like, let's say eighteen, because that's when it's legal to be full frontal. When I was 18, I know I would have been naked in a movie. I would have done porn. I would have, like, done... Well, because you're a boy. I would have done action scene. I would have played volleyball naked in a movie, which is probably the worst thing I can think of as far as being naked. And now I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know there's some of that is that when I was 18, I was skinny. And now, like, my wiener will look smaller because I'm not as skinny. And also, I don't, I don't think I have the greatest looking wiener. Just sitting like Judd Apatow had a nice, flaccid-looking wiener. When my, when my wiener's flaccid, it's just, it's not, it's not that. I, I never could be a flaccid wiener model. My second point about signing another man's penis: if a guy just came up to me and said, "Sign my penis," I'd be like, "Fuck you." If his wife said, "That's my husband sign his penis," I'd probably be like, "No." No, you could sign it with a pen and not have to touch it. That's, I know, and that's what he did in the movie, but... Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it because you don't know where it's been. <laughs> Generally, I would be against um, signing really anything. Like, you know what's weird? I haven't really talked about this on the podcast before. When you go to China, and this would happen to you too, heathen, because you've got blonde hair and blue eyes, people will go up and ask for your autograph. Um... And, um See, you've, you've told me that, and that's why I, that's a, a huge reason why I want to go. People will do that, uh, especially at the end of the year. It's sort of like a yearbook thing. At the end of the year, your English um, students will all bring you their English books and ask you to sign it for them. Um, but even if you just go do like a talk, like a one-day talk, people come up and ask you to sign things. Everyone will ask to take pictures with you. And that actually never really bothered me what bothered me. In China, was being stared at, being touched, having my eyes poked, having hair pulled out of my arm, um, having people look at my grocery cart, having people ask how much money I make, having people ask um, what kind of girls I like. Just all this really intrusive stuff so that I know if I was like actually a regular star, let's say um, Saved by the Bell Screech now versus Saved by the Bell Screech then, 
I wouldn't be able to handle the scrutiny of someone asking me anything. I don't like I don't like being the center of attention in that way. I don't mind maybe taking a picture once in a while, but I don't want people being like. What did you have for breakfast? I would start getting rumors. <laughs> probably that I'm gay and all these things because I would just tell people like no comment or no or it's none of your business so usually in my experience in real life with like people that know me when they're like did you fuck that girl I'm like that's none of your business then they're like yeah you fucked her but I mean I really just say none of your business because I don't think it's any of their business and then the only reason I would end up saying no is for the girl i was like well that's not fair that a bunch of people anytime you say it's none of your business across the board male or female that's implied that you did something yeah but i'm not trying to imply and i don't and i don't do it like with a smirk like well that's none of your business i just mean it like it's none of your fucking business man why do you think you have the right to ask me that because i had a guy ask me that this in a restaurant we were both servers and he's like did you fuck so and so i was like that's none of your fucking business because i can't believe he went up and asked me Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> next topic. Um, well, one more note in here. This all of the Lonely Island wives make an appearance in the movie, so that's kind of interesting. And also, a lot of family members. There's a brother. There's a child in here. Um, Heathen, do you have any family members that, if you had a a movie, a big mainstream movie that you would like to put in there? I don't think that my family members could be good actors. Well, none of these parts, some of them, like, say, the baby that was playing drums didn't need to be a big actor. Or um, what were some of the other small parts? Like the girl that was doing the uh, resuscitation? She didn't do a whole lot. I guess my mom could do it. She had headshots and all that. She was doing some things when we lived in L.A. She could play an astrologer. Well, that's typecasting. She kind of looks like an astrologer. I don't trust her. I would, I would put... She's an accountant. Why would you not trust her? She's very good with money. I would put my brother in a movie, especially back then. Actually, if I could go redo things, I would put, I would have put money to the side to try to put my brother to, through stuntman school because whether on film or off of film, he just loves... And he still does it even though he's too old for it and he's really hurting himself doing it now. He loves jumping off of things. He loves jumping into things. He loves doing it for an audience, really, but he'll also just do it if there's, like, one person there. That's true. And he'll just do stupid stuff like he'll see on Jackass. Like, he will be on the hood of a car, and he'll ask someone to um, get the car up to speed as fast as they can and then hit stop and, like, launch him into, um, I think it was a snowbank. So, just weird stuff. I don't know if that would hurt too much if you were, well... It ended up hurting him. (laughs) If it was, like, packed, if you you could launch him in the snow, that would be I think that's what what ended up happening, but um, jumping off of buildings, jumping on the card tables... Jumping uh, through fire. Yeah, doing backflips off of bridges that are too high to even jump normally. Um, And he's got a good constitution for that. So, had he been trained to do it normally, I think that would have been a good career for him. And then, of course, I would I would put my uncle, even though he and I don't really talk anymore. He's he uh, I had been wanting to get into movies and interest in that before he was, but we both got interested in it around the same time. Other than that, I don't think I would put anyone else in there. I don't think. Well, I like, guess anybody that wanted to 
be an extra in a movie I would be okay with? Yeah, like an extra a cameo. You know, I definitely, if my grandparents were still around, I would have put them in the background in a restaurant. I might even give them lines because they didn't even have to act. I'd just be like, Grammy, say something shitty to Buck. Or I'd even give them lines because then she would yell at him about not getting his lungs, lungs right. <laughs> lungs right. All right. Um, what do you think about Lonely Island in the digital shorts on Saturday Night Live, Heathen? Did you like them? Well, I liked the dick in a box. Yeah, that's the one that kind of put a mainstream. Also, in some... And I didn't really know that that's who they were. I and, have to be honest. And, and well, also, just like uh, a lot of the digital shorts, just like the movie, a lot of them you only did see Andy Samberg. There was ones where you saw... Justin Timberlake, yeah. Well, he wasn't in oh, Lonely he's Island. He's in Dick in the Box. He's not in Lonely Island. Um, but there, there was some videos like... Um, What's it called? I, I just came. Uh, where you see all the Lonely Island guys. But a lot of times you didn't you didn't see all of them. Um, anyways, the... Uh, f- oh, I was going to say that Dick in a Box in some ways broke some ground too because it was... Um, two, two, two things. This may not have been the one that did it, but Lonely Island started putting movie, uh, started releasing stuff on YouTube before it was available on Saturday Night Live. So that was the first time Saturday Night Live had ever uh, broadcast pre-existing material or material that had already been shown. Also, I think it was the first time that they had broadcast something that had already been censored or something like that. I remember reading something about that. But around this time, I know I had friends that only watched Saturday Night Live for the digital shorts. It didn't have to be the songs because they did move like little videos and stuff too, like Laser Cats and trying to remember some of the other stuff they did. But after Andy Samberg left, I had people that said, like, I don't even have a reason to watch Saturday Night Live anymore. I didn't even watch it for the skits. I watched it for the stupid songs and the stupid videos. Mm. Um, I liked Like a Boss with Seth Rogen. And Lazy Sunday, which was the first one they did with Chris Parnell. And I liked, um, of course, Dick in a Box. I don't think anyone couldn't like Dick in a Box. Right. Who doesn't want a Dick in a Box? Yeah, and, and, and it, was, it was so big. Like, we have a big Santa crawl up here with thousands and thousands of Santas that I've seen the Dick in the Box boys. Not the real ones, but people dressed up as the Dick in the Box boys, out, which is a pretty badass costume. Mm-hmm. Because you just gotta look like a like a um, a dance club douche with a with a, with a Christmas a, present yeah. over your dick. And what do you think about Andy Samberg as a star? He's kind of he's a funny. He's kind of weird looking. He is weird looking. He's, he's got like big teeth. That's why and, you're a comedian, a, a comic actor, a comedic. How do you say that? A comedic. comedic actor yeah but you have people that like say like jimmy fallon where i have friends that be like he's he's cute he's a cute he's a cute boy or i can't really think of any other comedians right now maybe um i don't know who else he's still funny looking i i think that jimmy fallon is more attractive than any other late night show host (laughs) or the comedic actor that we're speaking of yeah but he's still not. I also, you know, it's recent. I, I think maybe the funny makes him look more attractive. And and I know it's a little bit off topic. I was going to say maybe because he's not as weird looking, he's not funny. 
I swear that Jimmy Fallon was not funny until he got on The Tonight Show. Like, he must have sold his soul or something because he was terrible on Saturday Night Live. He could not sing or play the guitar. He could not do musical impressions. Like, he does pretty decent musical impressions now, like, of Neil Young. Maybe he just needed to find something different to bring it out because he seems Um, to be doing really well. He's still a bad interviewer, but his show's really good. But I just swear that he was not a funny comedian before. And then I was like, how the hell did he get The Tonight Show? He's terrible. And now it's like the best show on TV. Hmm. I, I think a lot of that is because either he or the creators or the writers were smart and they realized that late night had switched from people that actually stayed up late night to watch. And it's like a viral thing now because no one watches it anymore, including me. We watch like the YouTube clips or like... You know. I like to I like to watch the whole show. I don't like to watch pieces. You don't like to watch uh, Got My Tight Pants On? You don't like to watch History I do. Rap? I, I definitely, but I would like to see the whole thing. But I think generally, because you can watch the whole thing, but I think generally you watch those clips and you don't watch all the other stuff. Right. Because if you did, you would probably watch um, like the Colbert late night show, who's like a good interviewer, or um, David Letterman was an excellent interviewer. the Colbert Report. No, I'm talking about his late night show now. People, because Jimmy Fallon cannot interview. Or um, Craig Ferguson was was one of the best because he he de- he de- deviated from the format by ripping up all the questions and just the guests would come out and he'd just be like, "What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about lizards?" And that would work for some guy. Ge- work for a lot of guests, but other guests would be like, "I don't. What, what the fuck? This isn't how we do things." Like right. my publicist comes to you. And you guys come up with some questions, and then I know what the questions are before I come out. And so it was a cool way to be authentic. All right. Um, So this movie, generally, uh, the theme is about three childhood friends. Let me talk a little bit about Lonely Island, the real Lonely Island, because I haven't done that yet. So Lonely Island, they were real-life friends going back for a while. They officially formed in 2001, although they had met 10 years earlier in junior high. Um, They went to separate colleges, but they all regrouped in Los Angeles, and they tried to make it, and they they found different various jobs. Some worked on TV shows, some worked on other things, but they still got together and um, did their videos. They were one of the first people to to put their videos up on the internet because this was still a, a new thing. YouTube and all that was very new. And people didn't have high-speed internet back then. So if you were going to watch a video, it was where you had to wait for it like 10 minutes and then, you know, you just couldn't stream stuff. They they eventually, through working through the ranks and getting different um, pilot options that didn't work out, they, they did lead them to writing for the 2005 MTV Movie Awards that was hosted by Jimmy Fallon, speaking of Jimmy Fallon. And Jimmy Fallon liked them so much that he recommended them to Lauren Michaels, who's been the, uh, he was the creator and the producer and everything for Saturday Night Live since it started. So they actually got hired by Saturday Night Live in 2005. All three were hired as writers, and Sandberg was hired as, uh, you know, a featured, and featuring. Mm-hmm. Um because and uh, and Andy Samberg was the same year that Bill Hader got hired and Andy Samberg was um, so nervous about being new and being in a room with all these other people it's really hard to get your your shows your pitches picked up on there um, it's why Larry David quit 
It's uh, Chris Rock hated it. It's supposed to be really stressful that you might go be on the show for two years and never get any of your sketches on because they get cut last minute or just not good enough. So Andy Samberg, what he did is he went out and he made all the videos with the Lonely Island guys, then brought them in and pitched them that way. Um, one because it made him more confident and it was over and it was done. But two, if he had he thought if he had pitched the video ideas to Lauren Michael or anyone else, it would have got denied just because of the budget. Like we don't have money or time for that. They went out and did it really cheaply. Um, even that that lonely or that um, I called it Lonely Sunday, Lazy Sunday video. They just did that in their office up there, like with a cheap ass microphone and a computer. Um, uh, Chris Parnell and Andy Samberg spent like an hour on a Friday recording it, and then they went out on a Saturday with a video camera recording it. And so it was it was really stripped down, which shows that you can make good stuff with not that great equipment and not that many people as long as you go out and you because all of these guys did go to film school so sometimes I talk about the videos I'm I'm involved with here locally and I, I complain about why they're doing things a certain way it's just because I just don't think they know what they're doing which is a good way to learn but you can really make things look good by using things like light and microphones well that's why you should probably do something on your own um, what else do I want to say about Lonely Island? Um, they lived together. Their name came from an apartment that they lived in. I, I never knew where Lonely Island came from. Um, it was a modest low-rent L.A. apartment that they all shared. They had another roommate that was a musician. So that's how they started doing the songs, is he would just play music, and then they would just make up songs as they went, similar to what my friends and I did a lot in high school. One thing I thought was interesting, this is from one of their pilots. You can actually find this pilot on YouTube if you YouTube like Lonely Island Pilot. There is an episode called White Power, which involves the three of them being addicted to teeth whitening products. But what's funny about this is while they were filming it, there's a scene where they mug an old lady. And while they were shooting the scene, actor Kiefer Sutherland didn't realize that it was a video. He thought it was a real mugging and he tried to come in to intervene. So I would, I would like to see if that part's on the internet anywhere. So that's my brief history of Lonely Island. Um, what I was going to say, Heathen, is in the movie, and talking about, um, you know, the no-doubt situation and everything, have you ever been in a situation where you had you grew up with, like, a circle of close friends, and then something happened that one of you got pissed off at the other? Somehow you just... I know a lot of friends usually especially like from elementary school to high school, they just start drifting away is like, oh, well, now I'm a jock. Well, now I'm a drum, drumminder. Well, now I'm a, a drummer. To, in my experience, that's how most friendships break up. But still, sometimes there's that strong two or three or four or five people that they do have something happen. Someone becomes an asshole. Well, I think for women, it's a little bit different than men. Um, a lot of things that can pull friendships apart is marriage and kids if one person gets married and has kids and the other one doesn't that you know they could be really good friends it's just they kind of drift apart um then women are pretty um catty so when there's a fight somebody's upset at somebody for quite some time and i have a friend that we generally do that about every 10 years or so at this time, I 
don't really see any point in continuing the the friendship. I think I think I think men fight about similar things just on a different level. It's just they handle the fights different. Mm -hmm. It's more just like, "What's up, dude? Like, why'd you do that?" Instead of like, "Oh, I'm just not talking to you. I'm not, you know." um, Like women give each other the cold shoulder, or they give them the fake niceness. Like, "Oh, how are you?" And then they talk shit to all their friends. Like men don't. I typically have male influenced friendships with my close female friends so what usually blows up is one of us confronting each other like why the fuck did you do that and the explanation isn't jiving with the other person and and that's when you decide to stop yeah stop i guess talking men, to them for well, a while men, men do that too as far as coming up with a bullshit excuse but um I really don't like seeing the, and, and this may be stereotypical, I just haven't seen it in very many men. I really don't like the behavior of being nice to someone's face and then them talking shit. Even though I have like a couple mean things to say about some of my friends, it's like it's like one negative thing about them. I'm sure my friends do it to me. Like I'm, I'm kind of high strong, I'm sure. Like my friends make fun of me about that. I'm a bad driver. I know they make fun of me about that. I'm kind of messy. But anyway... I don't think anyone is like, that guy's such an asshole. Like, look at what he's wearing. What a piece of shit. Well, I mean, I've really heard, like, mm-hmm. girls do this mm-hmm. about their friends. It's like, that's your friend. That's why I don't trust, that's why I do not trust women. I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't trust, like, men at all. I really, it's the women that I don't trust. And even today we were talking about how when women, um, you know, dress up and stuff. They're really not dressing up for a lot of them. They're not dressing up for their partners. They're not dressing up for them. They're dressing up for the other women because they're going to be judged. That's been said before because men, although heels can make a woman look better, most men are just like, just wear comfortable shoes. I don't give a shit. Um, purses men don't care that you have a 300 hundred dollar coach bag like no man no straight man is gonna be like uh-huh look at that burberry purse that she's rocking like i wrote in my play well um, i i have always dressed how i like to dress i mean i've been called pocahontas i've been called i've been asked if i got my clothes from the 1900s i've been called a lot of things because of whatever I choose to wear. I do sometimes dress up for my partner because I want to get the validation from my partner, but I certainly have never dressed up for another woman or have ever really cared unless, I mean, I just like shake my head or laugh or give a dirty look when I see another girl that straight looks me up and down like, you know, like a guy should, but it's a girl. I always just well, I know. shake my head and go, you're fucking getting me right. What, looks you down in a bad way or a good way? Um, I, I just they just Yeah, they're ju- I mean, I, I just had it happen to me the other day, and I just, I shook my head, and I just laughed. Why'd you shake your head? Because I do. I When I don't understand something or when I go, you're fucking crazy, or... But, you, but you, I mean, girls have... A, you, an eye for outfits and putting things together. So I wouldn't shake my head. I know it's a certain up and down look that it's like, you know, that kind of a judging. Yeah. Well, you said judging. Okay. But I wasn't sure like judging in a bad way or like 
you know, judging like giving you a 10 way. You know, I, well, it's a little off topic, but I will say I know that women do see more of that thing. So when I used to have money and care more about fashion and spent my budget on fashion, like I would have women compliment me on my shoes and, and a guy would never do that. But, and that's like a thing I learned, this is going to sound cheesy, but like from being a teenager and reading GQ is you, if you have like the nicest suit in the world and you have shitty ass shoes, a woman is just going to think that you're broke or you don't care about yourself or you don't know how to follow through that you need to have the whole package. It still happens. And well, I'm just saying that men, men aren't going to notice that as well. I mean, I would kind of notice that some if i see I a guy to tell people when their shoes are bad yeah if i see a guy in a suit in like mud on his shoes i'm like you have no respect you're just trying to fake it like i'd rather you have a cheaper suit and fucking just wash your shoes you don't have to be rich just clean your shoes i mean i wasn't rich i would sit there and i would clean my shoes like fucking every sunday or if your shoes are old get rid of them get new ones yeah that's what i used to do <laughs> it was more of a hint i don't know to who um, so I, I had, I had, a I definitely had friends I had fallings out, outs with cause I had, a, I had a club. I, I have friends that I, I just have rocked it with together for a while because I, I came up from a small town, small elementary school. We all went to high school together. I only had three at that time, only three high schools in the district. And, um, I have, I have a good friend that I've known since first grade. I have a friend that we'll see this weekend that I've known since well, I've known of him since kindergarten, but we've been friends since third grade. Um, so I have a, I have a lot of friends like that, and not just because of Facebook, which does help. But these are guys I would have kept in contact anyway, which I think is really cool because a lot of people don't have that. But I had, um, and and that circle can change. My best friend I've had since fourth grade, so that's never really changed. And then um, and my other friend actually known him also since third grade. In high school, we had our own unit. We we all left our good school, and we all decided uh, intentionally, like um, willingly, we weren't made to go there. We all decided to go to an alternative school, in quotations, a bad school. It's where all the the bad kids went to go. You know what alternative means? Well, alternative can be good, like Montessori or something. In this case... Well, you don't call a Montessori school alternative. You call it a Montessori. But there are some good alternative schools, like, well, we let the kids give themselves self-evaluation, and we let them choose their own curriculum. Okay, but back then, that's not what it was. But this was, yeah, because we didn't have money, or I didn't have, my family didn't have money for that shit. So we all went to this bad school, and we helped bond us going there. Um, as well because we're like we're fucking better than everyone here and we don't even have to be here and we're smart and we can get a's in every grade and um and eventually all at all we all went up in flames involved drugs and a girl and stolen mail and a 25 year old woman and uh, beans and um i think that about covers it are you talking about real beans or just multiple real beans? Beans. <laughs> I think real beans. I mean, like a uh, like a heating hot it was, plate. It was a joke. A hot plate full of beans. Um, it was a joke. All of these things led to uh, oh, stolen credit cards. Mm-hmm. It all eventually. We were riding high. We were um, grandchildren of Bill Graham, the famous concert promoter. We beat everyone at basketball. But, you know, once you're at the top of the mountain, the only way is down. And we sunk down. And then I went back to the good school. 
great story. But we're all friends again. So it has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Right, Heathen? You don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's fine to hit this baby. And that person saying that sound is one of the characters in that story. He played the beans. He did not play the beans. Because he's Irish. His name's Kellen. Uh, I was going to say I think the bean would play the beans, but... Yeah. What do I know? Bean was on the outside of the story. He became... Oh. Um, he be, The bean became like the black guy in uh, the Lonely Island movie, um, Pop Star. Because eventually I started breaking off from the other guys. I was like... Bean, I'm gonna do my solo thing. Mm-hmm. You want to be my, you want to be my buddy. You want to be cool go. together. All right, um, I'm gonna skip some of these other things. Unless you have anything to say, I want to ask you about your favorite cameo in the movie. Um, I would say Justin Timberlake. Oh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, Justin Timberlake was really good in the movie. We, there was a lot of cameos. We had Seal, who fought wolves. We had um, Usher, who wanted to dance with the Style Boys. That was his dream. We had, I can't remember everyone that we saw now because it's been a couple weeks, but there were so many. I think uh, Justin Timberlake was my favorite, too, because of the way they, they made him a cameo and they gave him a couple lines and they made fun of him being, are they, the, 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 the joke was that like he was singing while he was cooking. He was the caterer and he would sing and they'd be like, leave it to the professionals, Clancy, whatever his name was. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up being the singing fish at the end. And that was like, he was so excited about that. I'm the fish. But I liked, I also liked, it's just a surprise cameo with Snoop Dogg. And he's doing a show called Surprise Motherfucker. Surprise Motherfucker starring Snoop Dogg on MTV2. That was a horrible Snoop Dogg impersonation. But you know mm. what I'm saying. Heathen, for the last topic, would you like to talk about taking credit for things, saying sorry, or telling the truth? don't really care for when people um, take credit for things where credit isn't due. Mm-hmm. I've always given um, people at work or in my life credit if they've done something only because I thrive on it personally and so do one to others as they would. So going along with the movie, and that's where the fallout was in these guys, if you had your two best friends and you... And one of them took credit for an idea that ended up making them money. Would that be a reason for you to never talk to them yeah, again? Yeah, we wouldn't be friends anymore. Okay. You ready for your ranks? I am. The five. So Heathen is going to rank her five. I don't know if it's is it the five, your five favorite or five best pop stars. Um, It's pretty much like what i came up with for me although so you're you're, there's a bunch what you consider the five top pop stars of all time or currently of all well of all time then you gotta have michael jackson there i'm assuming i don't have you seen the recent news about him yes i don't really want to talk about it because i don't care you don't care that he had child porn and animal torture not really because we already knew that there was issues so he's dead let's move on but it's worse than we thought who cares He's dead. What are they going to do? Dig him uh, up? And it's him in, fine to hit that baby. Put him in jail? No. No, I know, but... Okay, let's just... As you're right, that's a different topic. Yep. So, I'm going to go from the cake to the cream. So, this is five, four, three, two, mm-hmm. one. One being the best? Yeah. Okay. Janet Jackson. Number five. What's your favorite Janet Jackson? Rhythm Nation? Black Cat? 
Um, there's so many. I, I like. There, I have so many memories of every song. Like if you like Rhythm Nation, mm-hmm. whole different memory. Black Cat. I remember singing that and doing choreography on the school grounds in third grade. So. But Rhythm Nation had the cool choreography. I don't remember the choreography to Black Cat. Oh, it, we were totally into all the the it, choreography in every video. It just had that badass guitar riff. Uh, Whitney Houston. Number four. Mm-hmm. Great singer. Because um, I have so many memories of singing all of her songs, too. Probably one of the better pop singers of our lifetime so far. Mm-hmm. Not one of my favorites, but I do considered, widely considered There's the best Super Bowl anthem. So many songs that were never really even published that I know of I'll, her that although, are my favorite. Although some people thought that Lady Gaga's recent... Uh, version of the star spangled banners up there too i agree um debbie gibson oh my gosh she's above whitney houston and janet jackson because it's it's me yeah and i knew every single song every word she ever sang so when i think of pop star that word those words it does make me think of someone like debbie gibson because i don't think of an artist like i would think of for like whitney houston or Mm-hmm. Janet Jackson. I, that is a pop star, a flash in the pan. She had more than just a flash in the pan. Uh, Elton John. Okay. I don't consider him a pop star, but his songs are definitely poppy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like a um, out there, uh, you know, uh, Justin. You know, he's on the list of the most 50 famous pop stars. Great Songwriter, I like I like his old stuff that was more popular, like Crocodile Rock. Concerts are great, and Prince. Number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, a guy that I almost think transcends genres, but I guess he would be considered pop more than he was considered anything else, rock or or R and B. So, sure. And I like Mariah Mariah Carey. I like well, you know. Fine. I just I, for me and memories. All of these people have memories to me. But no Michael Jackson, no Madonna, which I would have thought would have been Well, Madonna, for sure, because she was... But you didn't put her on there. I know, but when I try to go back to a younger age, Debbie Gibson, to me, is more... I can't believe Debbie Gibson's on there instead of Madonna. I'm sorry, I've always loved Debbie Gibson. It's not ever going to change. Madonna was so trendsetting. I understand. I totally understand, but... Where does Madonna go on my list? She doesn't go on my list. So I'm going to I only have five. Consider it Heathen's top five favorite pop stars, not best pop stars. I, I I'm not so sure that I would say that they're my fav, favorite. They're just more of my mem, uh, memorable. So I mean, Heathen's Madonna top five was definitely in Heathen's top five most influential pop stars. Mm-hmm. So if you were like a because this is a, a, a question they ask musicians is who are your influences? These are probably people you would name. Probably, but I'm telling you, Madonna would no Cindy Lauper. I need to change my whole thing. Because if someone definitely Cindy Lauper was very important. Because if someone asked Girls me, just want to have fun. If someone mm-hmm. if someone asked me like what what are the, some of the top pop stars of all time? I would definitely would say Michael Jackson and Madonna, and they're definitely neither one or. My favorite right, Michael Jackson. or that mm-hmm. influential, but just they were so trendsetting and the songs and, and not just the trendsetting and the fashion, but 
their music affected the music that happened after. I after agree, that. but I didn't want to have the the Michael Jacksons and the Madonnas in my list. I don't know because who, those are just given. You know, I actually do something. Cindy Lauper needs to replace. I, I would probably I do something weird on my list and add early Beatles on my list and like just because I can't think I would Elton add um, just because I can't think of anyone else I would put George Michael and then I would put um, yeah I love George uh, Michael God, pop, when, when pop comes to my mind pop, Paul Abdul that's all I can think of so that, that's my quick five I like Paul Abdul there. Well, we're not talking about who we like last call looking at the world from the bottom of a glass all I see is a man who's fading fast. Last call. Hey, then I'd like to give you a cheers for a well-done podcast that I believe got recorded. Hope so. That's fine to hit this baby. Ow! You're just fake drinking now. So what's your kill count it's at? an ice cube. Your kill count is at one? Mm-hmm. I still have an ice cube. I My kill count. Drinking. I'm drinking one of the large beers and I'm only like halfway down. So... Heathen, any last words for this week? I don't think so. Just have a wonderful summer weekend. <laughs> uh, my last words. I don't know what movie we are doing next week for the podcast. Going over the uh, movies opening this week, there's nothing I'm interested in. I still wouldn't mind covering X-Men Apocalypse because I think it would be good for the podcast. I don't think it's a very good movie. I would still like to see The Conjuring 2, and I think that would be good to see and for the podcast. I don't know what we'll end up doing next week. We do have to do the, the reunion soon. Uh, I do want to say, if you want to see pictures from this episode, we'll also will have a couple pictures from the Alternative History episode. Make sure you go to potablepictureshow.com. We, if you want to call in, if you have a comment, please do so. We do have a recording waiting on our wait line that I haven't played yet. That's a comment on our boys versus girl crushes. If you would like to weigh on in on any subject whatsoever, call our recorded line 775-996-3986. It goes to a recording. You don't have to talk to a real person. You can tweet us at Potable Pictures. And um, don't forget, if you're in the Reno Carson City, Tahoe area, or even if you just like conversing about movies on Facebook, look for the Sierra Nevada Movie Club on our Facebook page. Come hang out with us and see a Tuesday movie. I don't think I have anything else to say. Again, I apologize to Buddy and Beer Maker Matt about fucking up the last episode. And until next week, I would like to say to you, keep it wet. Event. The time Osama bin Laden got shot in the head. She said, Do me like that, but I couldn't.
track the metaphor That said, I can see you horny like a Stegosaur That said, again, your request is so irregular She put on a beard, I started looking at the exit door Then a turban, then a tunic She said, invade my cave with your special unit I said he wasn't in a cave, but there was no stopping She demanded that I fuck her like we Fuck Bin Laden Fuck Bin Laden reality experience your tummy was ready now i'm in a now i'm now i'm in a downward spiral um the difference was is that i was better looking than most of the guys well no, that sounds mean i don't I, sounds I, pretentious but what were you gonna ask 